Thank you for joining us today for this life-changing message from River of Life. If you are ever in our area, we would love for you to join us. For more information, click the link down below or download our app in the App Store under ROL Crawfordville. Now, let's join Pastor Chuck Coburn as he teaches from the Word of God. In the mid-1800s, something happened that would chase really the the face of America for in San Francisco some men found this shiny substance called gold and that gold would begin to change their lives and because people heard that many began to go to San Francisco either by sea or by land their desire was to become wealthy. It is told that people borrowed money, mortgaged their property, used every bit of their savings that they could to get out to San Francisco so they could become even richer. Some people even left their wives and their children to get out there. What's sad is that upon getting out there, most of these men never, ever had the privilege of getting gold. Most of them were robbed. Most of them lost money in gambling. They suffered violence. It is said that over $2 billion worth of gold was found in San Francisco during this time. But few found it. However... Quite a few men, in the process of almost starving to death or being very ill and sick, found this very shiny, gold-looking substance. And they thought they had struck it rich. They thought they had reached the apex. And they began to gather all of this shiny gold substance up. Because to the naked eye, it looked just like gold. What they did not understand was that real gold usually is tarnished a little bit and has to go through some processes of refining to make it look pure. But because they were new to this process, they didn't know any better. So they gathered all of this shiny metallic material they could get together. And when they took it to the place to cash it in, they found out that it wasn't gold. It was pyrite, other known as fool's gold. And so these people died with illnesses, starvation, and they were worse off than they ever had started. Maybe if they had a little bit more education, maybe if they were more skilled to understand that the shiny, shiny substance wasn't real gold. The real gold was kind of hid behind a little bit of some rock and some some tarnished material that they would have known better. But they didn't. And so rather than becoming rich and wealthy, they died destitute and lonely. What's sad is many people today are chasing after peace. They're chasing after fulfillment. They're chasing after satisfaction. The problem is, is that they're chasing after the shiny substance called the things of this world the popularity of this world, the culture of this world. 
And although they have gotten their hands on it, they soon discover that it hasn't brought them that peace, that fulfillment that they wanted. In fact, it's done the opposite. It's left them worse off than when they started. And if they would have been a little more careful to take a look at the effects of what this was going to do, maybe they would have never done that. But so often you and I get caught of choosing the wrong tree. Today I want to speak to you on the subject, two trees. And I know that's going to sound like a weird subject to you and a weird title. But if you'll just bear with me, you'll understand. Turn in your Bibles with me to Genesis chapter 2. Genesis chapter 2. And this is what it says in verse 8. Then the Lord God planted a garden in Eden in the east. And there he placed the man he had made. The Lord God made all sorts of trees grow up from the ground. Notice that the trees were what? They're beautiful. And that they produced delicious fruit. In the middle of the garden, he placed the tree of life and the tree of knowledge and good and evil. It's amazing how often you and I miss that first tree. We just see the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, but we missed that there was a tree of life. So notice that there are two trees right in the middle of the garden, the tree of life and the tree of knowledge and good and evil. And according to God's word, both are beautiful. And then if you skip down to verse 16 and 17, this is what it says. But the Lord God warned him, meaning Adam, you may freely eat the fruit of every tree in the garden, except The tree of the knowledge of good and evil. If you eat its fruit, you are surely to die. Now, I find it interesting that Adam has the privilege of eating any tree in the garden but one. But for whatever reason, he overlooks the tree of life. He sees the tree of good and evil, but he overlooks the tree of life. Both trees are beautiful. And maybe you could say that beauty is in the eye of the beholder. And that has a lot of truth to it. But I really think the honest, my honest opinion here is this. Is that true life does not seem to be attractive to us at first. Whereas evil always does. Let me repeat that. True life does not seem to be attractive to you and me at first. However, evil always seems attractive. Why was it that Adam saw one tree and overlooked it and went to the other tree? Because that other tree seemed to be attractive. And you could say, no, pastor, you know, I think the tree of life is attractive. And I'm going to argue and tell you probably not. Here's how I know why. Because narrow is the gate that leads to eternal life. Wide is the road that leads to destruction. We know that it's narrow. The the true life, the life in Jesus Christ, never seems to appeal to us. How long did it take you for those who know Jesus as Lord and Savior to come to Him as Lord and Savior? 
Did you fight it for a while? Or did you come immediately? How willing are you to submit to his leadership and submit to his will and his ways? Is it easy or is it difficult? You don't have to answer that. I already know it's challenging sometimes. Where on the other hand, Satan dangles this wonderful carrot in front of me and you. And so often we bite it only to kill us and destroy everything in our path. Let me give you an example of this. Jesus tells you and I to lose, we have to lose our life in order to find it. And the last thing you and I ever want to do is lose our life. We want to keep control of it. We want to be the ones that make our decisions, do what we want to do when we want to do it. Evil, on the other hand, dangles the fruit and lust takes the better part of us. Lust for the things of the world. Lust for the things of the flesh, lust for the things of the eyes. In fact, we are told that man, meaning men, our biggest sin problem is lust. We look too long and too hard at items and at people, and that causes us to fall. The Bible also tells us to be humble. For some of us, that's pretty challenging. We're supposed to be humble. In fact, Jesus said, if my people are what? Humble? My people just humble themselves and call upon my name. But yet, it's hard for us to be humble. It's hard for us to bow and submit to somebody in authority. It's hard for us to told that we're wrong. It's hard for us to realize that maybe all this time we could have done it a better way. On the other side, there's pride. And oh, we're so prideful. Ladies, this may surprise you, but in the, the statistic, pride is a woman's major downfall right now. Really, it's all of our downfall. Rather than being humble, we become prideful. Let me just give you one more. How about the Bible? I just told you it's narrow is the way. We have to be narrow. And really, in our day and time, what we really are seeing is anarchy. We don't want to submit to any authority. We don't want to be humble to anybody. And, and this is just kind of a, a, a last-minute throw-in. Parents, if your child gets in trouble at school, do me a favor. It is your child's fault. Do not go against the teacher. Our kids need to understand they are just wrong. Help us. But see, that's a problem. We don't want to be told we're wrong. After all, that may just do something with my self-confidence and my self-esteem. Well, I can be confident in the Lord. And I can have a good self-esteem in the Lord. If I'm confident in the world and myself, I am doomed and destroyed. So the way of the Lord always will seem unattractive at first. And I know that for a fact. There was this young man that fell in love with this young woman and she ran from him. He was a pastor and she thought, there's no way I'm doing that, that pastoring Christianity thing. That's just not going to work. And she ran for a while, ran for four months. And then finally, 
she came to the conclusion that there may be something to this. This may work out for me. And she decided to date the young man. And nine months later, they were married. And 26 years later, we are still happily married. Now, I just got to say, there are two sides to every story, sometimes three. I just want to tell you the truth. We know that following Christ at first glance is not attractive. In fact, the Bible tells us in Isaiah that there was nothing even beautiful or majestic about Jesus Christ and his appearance. Nothing. Why? Because there just wasn't. And we may ask the question then, why is it that true life is not attractive to us at first? And here's why. Evil always targets the eyes, the emotions, and the ego. Evil always targets the eyes, the emotions, and the ego. It's just that simple. If Satan's going to get after me, he's going to get after you. He's going to either go after what I see. He's going to go after my emotions. Now, listen, emotions are a wonderful thing. We get our emotions from the Lord. He laughs. He cries. He gets angry. He's happy. But when our emotions are manipulated and used in the wrong way, it will not help you. It's going to destroy you. And, of course, the ego. We see it all through life. Why did Adam and Eve fall? Simple. They saw the tree of good and evil. It was pleasant to the eyes. It thought it would make her wise and it was beautiful to eat. Satan targeted her eyes, her emotions, and her ego. We can continue on a little further in Genesis. And there's a story about a man named Abraham and his nephew Lot. And they got to a city. Uh, they, their their um, animals became so large in number that they said, hey, we got to split up. And Abraham said, Lot, choose whatever you want to choose. Well, Lot did what most of us would do. He started looking over and he says, Woo, you know, I can look over here and there's beautiful pasture. There's a lot of water and it's right next to that nice city named Sodom. I'm going to move over there. Now, see, if Lot would have been smart and taken a longer look at Sodom, he'd have never moved his family that direction. But see, we went after Lot's eyes, went after Lot's emotions, and his ego. And so Lot now moves next to Sodom and Gomorrah. And now Lot becomes one of the leaders in Sodom. And if you know the story about Sodom and Gomorrah, it was one of the most sinful cities ever known to mankind. In the process of the Lord saving Lot, his wife dies. And if you read further on, his daughters do some pretty crazy things. They get him drunk. And they sleep with him, his very own daughters, so they can produce offspring. And you say, man, pastor, that's a little out there. Guess where it all started? He looked with his eyes and his emotions and his ego and said, that's the place where I want to live. And when he did that, it not only messed him up, it messed his family up. And so you and I need to be very, very careful when we make decisions in life. How is this going to affect not only me? How's this going to affect my family? How's this going to affect my church family when I do this? Let me just give you one more. 
One of the wisest men in the Bible ever known, King Solomon. He was wise, but the Lord warned him, don't you ever, ever marry those pagan women because they'll keep you from following me. Well, guess what Solomon did? He saw how beautiful they were. He naturally, the emotions they gave him just really stirred him up. He married them. And the Bible says he went away from the Lord in his old age. Rather than seeking the Lord, he sought after his eyes, his ego, and his emotions. And it cost him dearly. Well, you know, some of the greatest commercials on television are going to be on tonight, right? And guess what they're going to appeal to you? Your eyes, your emotions, and your ego. Be careful. Here's what we really need to know this morning. Is that true life targets the heart which creates honest humility and holiness. That's what it does. Jesus always goes after your heart. So that he can change your heart and life to make you a humble person and make you holy. And it doesn't matter where you're from, what state of life you may be in. That's the way he works. Elisha was a godly man. But we're told that Elisha, Elijah for some reason got scared of a woman and ran. He fell in depression. He fell in loneliness. And at one point he even wanted to take his very life. He said, God, I'm done. Just take my life. The Bible says that the Lord... Appeared to him in this massive whirlwind, you know, and then a fire. But really what got Elijah's attention was what church? A still, small voice. Because see, God's not after the flame and the flare of life. He's after your very heart. And he knows the way to get to your very heart is to speak to it in a still, small voice. Now, I'm not saying God can't get you in the, in the grandiose things. But I'm telling you that Jesus wants to meet you personally, one-on-one, to help you, to change you, and make you victorious in life. There's a guy by the name of Saul. He was very arrogant and prideful. In fact, he went on a Christian killing binge. He was like the high of highs of people in his day. But he met Jesus on the road to Damascus. And when he met Jesus, he met Jesus. Now, go back in the book of Acts and read it. It's interesting because, see, when God began to speak to Saul at that time, he asked him, why are you kicking against the goats? Why are you kicking against me? Guess who heard him and heard him only? Just Saul. Wait a minute. There were people around. See, when God wants to talk to you, it's personal. It's one-on-one. God wants an intimate relationship with us. And he wants to speak to you and me one-on-one. Let me give you one more. There was a woman who had been married five times. And the man she was with now, she was just living with him. Outcast of the city. Had no hope. Figured she had no future. And she went to a well. And there she met Jesus. And he went after the very heart of her. And it changed her life. What you need to understand this morning is that Jesus is concerned about your heart. He wants to change your very heart and life 
to make you a very humble and holy person so that you won't make the mistakes you've been making. So you won't do the stupid things that you've been duping. Hey, I am stupid sometimes. I do some stupid things. Okay? But understand this. In our day and time, we have to be careful because there's a lot of stuff out on the internet. And you've got to be careful what you're listening to and what you're watching. Now, I just want to remind you that just because somebody makes one fallacy, you don't throw them all the way out with the bathwater. I mean, after all, King Solomon was wise. We read Proverbs, and he fell away at the end of his life. But what you've got to be so careful of is that when you're listening to an apostle or a prophet or an evangelist or a pastor or a teacher, you need to make sure that their focus for you is to grow you in the Lord and mature you in the faith. If their only focus is to grow their bank account and their fellowship, you're listening to the wrong person. My desire for you this morning is to fall in love with Jesus and begin to make decisions that are wise and profitable, not unwise and accountable. The choices and decisions you're making every day, it's either going to give you life and give life to those around you, or the choices and decisions you make today are either going to give you death and it's going to kill everybody around you. It's one or the other. Two trees. Tree of life, tree of good and evil. We'll just call it the tree of evil. you got to make that choice. So let's do a test this morning. When you post on social media, does it come from your very eye and your very emotions and your very ego? Is that why you're posting on it? Are you posting from the very heart that God's given you? From a vantage point of humility and holiness. See, most people today post on social media from an ego, emotional stage in life. That's how they post. What benefit is it really doing anybody? It's benefiting nobody. Because you're killing everybody around. Oh, look, we went to this place on vacation. Why are you doing that? Because you want everybody to know. I went here on vacation. Are you jealous? Are you envious? Why don't you start posting things from the very heart of God, from the heart of God, so it will reach people. I'm not saying there's not anything wrong with posting on social media. But you need to make sure when you're posting on social media, it's not from your ego and from your emotions. It better come from the very heart and humility of God himself. How about the words you speak? When you are... Speaking, are you speaking the very ego and emotions of your heart? Are you speaking from a very humbled Christian lifestyle? That one hurts, doesn't it? Hey, listen, I get it. The Bible says to be angry and sin not. It's all right to be angry. But when your anger brews up and the words that you're speaking is from your emotions and your ego, you're not bringing life to those around you. You're bringing death and destruction to them. We have to be careful to speak life in the people that we're around. Listen, it's, 
It's for your kid's sake. It's for your sake. It's for your co-worker's sake. It's for your boss's sake. It's for every human being on earth. When you and I speak, it doesn't need to be from our ego and our emotions. It needs to be from the very humbleness of your heart from God. How about the friends you hang around? Do the friends you have, are they just there to stroke your ego and emotions? Or the friends you have, are they the ones to hold you accountable to make sure you're growing in your faith in Jesus Christ? Just saying. When we really begin to look at the tree of death and the tree of life, we're going to see the difference. Death wants to stroke the emotions and the ego. Life wants to get to the heart of the issue to grow you and mature you in life. How about your love life? Is your love life based upon your emotions and your ego? Now listen, we need to have emotions in our love life. Trust me. Hey, baby, I love you. (laughs) I I get that. If it changes, I'll tell you. (laughs) But if your love life is only based upon your emotions and on your feelings and on your ego, trust me, you are doomed. Your love life needs to be based upon Jesus Christ and His love for you. Period. Young people, this is, this is a good one for you. He'll talk the talk. Listen, I'm amazed. All of a sudden, these young people fall in love and they start putting on makeup. And for the first time, a boy says, so that's what a shower looks like. Listen. Social media, y'all are getting that, aren't you? (laughs) Social media is destroying you. You need to find a young man. You need to find a young lady that loves Christ with all their heart. You don't have to worry about anything else. I have told this to my children since the time they were born. If you will find a spouse that loves Jesus with all of their heart, you'll never have to worry about anything else. Ever. Ever. I told my wife when we were getting married, I said, baby, you may find somebody better looking. You may find somebody richer than me. But I promise you that you will never find somebody that will take better care of you because I'm going to love you the way Jesus loves you. And to this, we've had a moment or two, but ask my wife. She knows I love her with all my heart. And the way I can do that is because I love her the way Jesus loves me. Last, how about the items in your life? The things that you have. Are they there to build your ego and emotions up? Are they there because they're a necessity for your life? There's nothing wrong with having things, folks. But if you are buying things to keep up, and we'll we'll change the name this morning to the Smiths. If you're buying things to keep up with the Smiths, you're in trouble. (laughs) I'm just trying to be helpful. Hey, in case you don't know, my senior pastor and his son are my neighbors. I have to admit, I was there first, so they're keeping up with the Coburns. There is a story told about a young man 
that uh, this was in the days of the Bible that saw this woman. In the days of the Bible, they did what they called bartering. If he was going to marry this woman, he had to give the father a dowry. And it could range anywhere from like one pig, two pigs, one cow, two cows, all the way up to ten. If you gave somebody ten, she was like the most beautiful woman alive. Well, this man had a daughter that wasn't that pretty. And the young man saw her. But what he saw was not this. He saw this. And he told the father, he said, I'll give you ten cows for her. And the father was astonished. He said, are you sure about this? He said, yes, sir, I'm going to give you ten cows for your daughter. So he did. He gave, her, gave the father ten cows for this woman. Within a matter of about a year, she was the most beautiful woman ever to be found. Because he looked at the heart. It's the heart of the issue. Sometimes you and I have to look beyond what we see with the natural naked eye. And we need to see what's inside. Because that's what really matters. And see, I'm, I'm so thankful for people like Miss Bryant and Miss Peak and Miss Payne and Miss Buckley, my mom, Mr. Carter, Mr. Sides, Mr. Bryant. Because when they looked into my life, they probably didn't see a pastor. They probably saw some little rowdy brat, snot-nosed kid running around. But see, the people I named were my teachers in church from kindergarten all the way up through youth. I still remember them to this day. I remember where I was at. Why? Because they invested in me. They taught me. They instilled God's word within me. And it changed my life. And I'm so thankful for the River of Life family that has done the same. But what I want you to know this morning is that you need to just... When you see people sometimes, you think, all I see is this. Sometimes you need to ask the Lord, Lord, what do you see in them? And how can I get them to where you want them to go? It's time we start investing in each other for the glory of the Lord. It's time we take time to disciple and teach and mentor people so they can grow in the Lord. I get it. Listen, I was probably one of the most challenging people growing up. If you don't believe me, ask Diane Gray, okay? (laughs) But it was because of their investment in my life that made the difference. It's time we start not investing materialism in people, start investing spiritualism in them so they'll grow in the likeness of God. So this morning we have to make two choices. Just as simple. Number one, you can choose the tree of good and evil. And when you choose that tree, this is what you're going to get. You're going to get shame. You're going to get regret. You're going to get pain. You're going to come up empty. You're going to lose not only a relationship with Jesus, you're going to lose relationships in general. You're going to have mental, emotional baggage. And we all don't want baggage. But we have it. And the reason we have it is because we follow the tree of good and evil. And that's the problem. And last, you're just going to lose life, period. Not only the life you live now, but eternal life. When you choose your ego, your emotions, and your eyes, the tree of good and evil, you're going to get shame, regret, pain, empty life, loss of relationship, mental, emotional baggage, and loss of life. However, 
When you choose the tree of life, when you choose Jesus Christ, you're going to get forgiveness. You're going to be forgiven. You're going to have a freedom like you've never had before. That's why some people up here today will be able to dance and sing and shout because we have freedom in Christ Jesus. We have a relationship with God. There is no greater experience in all of life than to have the God of the universe whisper his love into your heart and life. Whether it's words of life, words of correction, words of help. Trust me, there is no greater feeling in all life when the Lord just speaks to me personally. But he didn't want to leave me empty handed. He gave me a helper called the Holy Spirit. He wants to give you the Holy Spirit to help you for every decision you make in life, for anything you do in life. He's given us that. He also wants to give you a purpose and a meaning. He wants to give you peace and fulfillment. And last, he wants to give you eternal life. See, Adam and Eve had a choice. You and I have a choice this morning. We can either choose good and evil or we can choose life. It's our choice. You just have to know who's speaking to you right now. Who are you listening to? Because see, when you choose the tree of life, you know what you're going to get? I'll tell you what you're going to get. Genesis 3.22 says it so clearly. This was the Lord talking to himself. He says, what if they had reached out, take the fruit from the tree of life and eat it? Guess what they'd have had? They would have lived how long? Forever. You understand that, church? When we put our pride down, when we put our shame down, when we put our arrogance down, and we choose life, it changes drastically. But see, you got to choose. And right now, Satan's talking to you, some of you right now, and saying, hey, you can do that tomorrow. Nope, you can't. You got to do it today. Hey, he, that's not really for you. That's for somebody else. No, that's really for you. See how he's playing with your ego and your emotions? God's speaking to your heart this morning. Listen to him. Because what he wants to do, he wants to give you, he wants to give me eternal life. And not only eternal life, an abundant life. A life worth living that has fulfillment, that has purpose, that has meaning. And the only way you're ever going to get that is through Jesus Christ. Period. So who will you choose today? Will you choose to follow your ego and your emotions? Or will you choose to humble yourself and hear from the Lord Almighty and bow before Him and surrender your life? Because when you do that, you will live life. To the fullest. Let's pray. Father, I pray right now for every person within the sound of my voice that you will speak so profoundly in their heart. Father, for those this morning that never have made a commitment to follow you as Lord and Savior, they've tried it every other way, Lord. Today, I pray they'll surrender to you as Lord and Savior. Today, they'll come forward and say, I need Jesus. Father, I pray for those who are chasing after the world. Today, I pray, Lord, you'll speak to their heart. And they will simply lay the world at this altar. And they will get up full of you and full of life. Lord, for those who are hurting this morning, I pray you'll heal them.
Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray that you will be victorious in all of our lives. I pray that the enemy would not win victory today, but you would. And I ask that souls would be saved, lives would be changed, and most of all, that you would always be the center of our attention, the center of our life, and Lord, the thing we talk about more than ever. Lord, please have your way in this place right now. As we stand and we sing. Thank you again for listening to this message from River of Life. If this message has touched you today, or if you need someone to pray with, please contact us at 850-926-1200 or email us at info at rolcrawfordville.com. We also want to encourage you to visit us this Sunday morning at 1030 a.m. in Crawfordville. Please visit us online at rolcrawfordville.com for more information and directions.